Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. Um, you might be wondering, what's the couch for besides pretty decoration up on the stage this morning? We're kind of already giving it away by putting up the uh, logo this morning for small groups. So in case you haven't guessed it, guessed, small groups are coming up. Um, and every time you see, yes, you can get excited about that. That's great. Um, every time you see the couch come out, that's your clue that small groups are coming out, coming up. We do small groups twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And so in the next few weeks, you're going to have the opportunity, you're going to be hearing more about it, and you're going to have the opportunity to sign up and come to a small group and be a part of a small group, a small group, not just come to it, but actually be a part of it, to belong to it. Um, gosh, I'm trying so hard not to get ahead of myself here this morning. Um, you know, it's great when we come together on Sunday mornings in a larger crowd. We need that. You know, there's, there's a momentum that starts. There's a, you know, an excitement that builds when you're with a whole lot of other people um, and Christians. But as much as we can worship together in a crowd, we don't really get to fellowship when we're in a large crowd. And so I don't really get to know much about you, and you don't really get to know much about me um, until we're able to maybe sit down on a couch and have a conversation. You know, when we're walking around on Sunday morning greeting your neighbor and you're giving a hug and you're smiling, that does, that's great. But I could do that for 10 years. You know, we could see each other every week, once a week, go around, smile, and hug each other, and I still 10 years later wouldn't know a thing about you other than what you look like, you know, um, how your voice sounds, what your smile looks like, but I won't really know you. I don't, I, I could do that for years and years. Say, I've known you for 10 years and know nothing about your story. And so that's why we have small groups around here because it gives us an opportunity to sit on a couch and have a real conversation. Real connection happens in small groups, not in the big gatherings like we have on Sundays. And I see everybody nodding their heads this morning. So I feel like I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Um, small groups are a big deal, and we want you to understand why it's such a big deal. We don't, it's not just a church program because other churches are doing it, and it's the thing to do this in this day and age to have small groups in churches. We, it, there's more to it than that. There's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. So, again, what's the big deal about the couch? I want, I want to talk about this couch for a minute, if I can. It looks like a nice couch, huh? I mean, especially from where you guys are sitting. See, I'm up close on it. I can see a little more detail. But from where you're sitting, you know, it looks nice, right? I mean, like the decorative pillows are nice, nice colors. You like the colors? Matches with our logo colors. Yeah. Um, it, it's a nice couch. But if you get up close and you look at it, especially if you sit in this spot right here, let me tell you. I might need help getting up afterwards because it's, you probably can't tell, but I'm sunk way deep into the hole of the couch. This is, this is the whole end. And, and if, you moved, if you moved the decorative pillows off, you'd see that there's some stains on the couch. Yesterday, Tony Tolbert and his sons helped us move the couch out. And when we lifted the cushions up, there was, you know, you know, you know what it's like when you're at the house and you lift your cushions up after probably years of time, all the goodies that are, you find under there. Yeah, there were some interesting things that we found underneath the cushions of the couch. Um, 
And like I said, there's some stains. The, the cushions are not real cushiony anymore. They're kind of flat, you know. The minute you sit on them, it's a little bit hard. But like for the last year, I want to say, we've talked about getting rid of the couch. It's still here. And I, it's probably been longer than a year. And, and he, I, it could be that we haven't gotten rid of the couch because we're just too lazy to do anything about it. Like no one wants to deal with it. But maybe, just maybe, there's a deeper significance to why we haven't gotten rid of the couch. You know, on this couch, we've had a lot of meetings sitting on this couch where we've talked about the vision of the church and where we've planned out what our goals are and what we see and what we want to do around here. So we've had a lot of meetings and spoken a lot of vision um, from sitting on this couch. And there were times when we were sitting on this couch where people were sharing their stories and they had tears and we were ministering to them and we got the opportunity to pray with one another sitting on this couch. And there were times sitting on this couch that um, we laughed a lot on this couch. You know, there were good times sitting on this couch. I mean, laughed till there were tears coming out of our eyes because we were laughing so much together. And there were times on this couch where um, we cried. There's times, like I said, when we prayed. And especially there were times when we sat on this couch and we got to meet new people that are now people that are family and friends. We met the Ruiz family sitting on this couch in the visitor's reception. We got to meet the Tolbert family sitting on this couch. So maybe we're a little more connected to this couch than we thought we were because some real connections took place sitting on a couch. And so that's what we're looking forward to when it comes to small groups, the same kind of thing. Um, when we get together, that we're sitting on a couch. You know, the first thing we think about, ladies, when we're moving into a new house, right, is where's the couch going to go? Because usually the couch is the biggest piece of furniture. Now, men, I'm not talking to you right now because we all know what you're thinking about when you're setting up the living room, right? Where's the TV going to go? Right, I know, I know. But ladies, we're thinking about the couch because we understand the couch connection. We understand that that's where life is going to happen is sitting on that couch. That's where we're going to be talking with our girlfriend, sipping some coffee, sharing our stories. That's where we're going to be playing with the kids, right, and building bonds. That's where we're going to be um, cuddled up on the couch watching a movie with our husband. That's what we're thinking about is where's the couch going to go. So the couch is important. The couch is significant. Now, do you understand why maybe we haven't gotten rid of this couch that we've talked about for a year or more about getting rid of? Maybe there's another reason why we hesitate, you know. God wants us, guys, to have true and genuine love for one another. We talk about having a real, relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus wants us to have real, relevant relationships with one another as well. It's not just about relationships with Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, today's message is called the, the, the couch connection. I think that's what I called it. Um, Romans chapter 12. You guys awake this morning? I know it's possible that you're sitting here with your eyes open and sleeping. I know because we lost an hour of sleep last night, but bear with me. I'm not going to be before you very long today, I promise. Romans 12, 
verses 9 through 10, it says, don't just pretend to love others. You know, it's really easy when we walk around Sunday morning and we smile and we hug one another to pretend like we love one another. Because you're not constantly in my face. I'm not constantly having to be around you and, and interacting with you. I can just walk around and hug you and walk right away. It's really easy to pretend. But God's telling us he doesn't want us to pretend. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. That's one of my favorite words, really, is genuine. It's, I'll tell you a little bit about myself since I have the microphone, you know, this morning. I, I have a hard time with small talk. I just run out of things to say. Like, when I walk into a room, there's some people, they can walk into a room, like, Pastor, he can walk into a room, won't know a single person in that room, and he can just have a conversation. Like, he can sit there for an hour or longer, probably, and have conversations with everybody. I run out of things to say after about a minute. You know, hi, my name is, how are you today? You know, maybe what do you, what do, you do for a living? Oh, you have kids? Oh, okay. All right, then. We'll talk to you later. You know, it's like I run out of things to say, and then I get nervous. I do the whole awkward thing where it's like, uh, you know. And sometimes the other person is the same way, so that's really bad. Like, you need someone that's like pastor, at least, in the conversation. Yeah. But honestly, what it, part of it is, too, is that my personality type is that I, I, I want to make deep connections with people. Like, I want to go right in. I want to know about you, and I want you to tell me about yourself. I remember my husband telling me that, that when we first met, that was one of the things that it was like it, it threw him off, and yet at the same time wanted, it caused him to be even more interested in me because I, I was right from the bat, just told him my story. And, you know, I didn't think, and, and I wanted to know his story, and, like, I, I wanted to know details. I, I, I don't want to have just fluff relationships with people. That's not, you know, um, some people, like I said, their personality type's very comfortable with that. But for me, it's like I want to go right in and I want to go deep. That's why these little small talk conversations are difficult for me. Um, like I said, it's really easy to pretend that we love one another when there's no intimacy involved. That's why it's really easy for us to sit here on a Sunday morning when pastor says squeeze in. We're all able to move in and sit next to each other because we're not really experiencing any kind of real intimacy here on a Sunday morning. We know that there are a lot of things that are important to God, but if there was one thing that we had to pick that was most important to God, I think we all can agree the thing that matters most to him is relationships. It's the whole reason that he created man. He created Adam so that he could have somebody to talk to and fellowship with, and then it's the whole reason that he created Eve so that Adam would have someone to have a relationship and talk with, and then told him to go multiply the earth, go forth and multiply so that you'd have kids and, and so that we could create this whole family. And he's all about relationship. You know, even when he refers to himself, he calls him, he wants us to call him father. That, that infers relationship. You know, he calls us sons and daughters. That infers relationship. We're supposed to call each other brother and sister that infers relationship. That's what matters to God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He wanted us to be a part of a family, 
us, all of us, with him and with each other, family, relationship. That is our, our purpose for being, is relationship. Because God is love, he treasures relationships. His very nature is relational. And he, so like I said, he identifies himself in family terms, father, son, sister, brother. Because God is love, the most important lesson that he wants us to learn on this earth is how to love. So maybe, like I said, we were trying to identify our passion. Look, the number one passion or purpose that we have after learning to love God is to love people. That's what we're here to do on this earth. It's in loving people, in loving in general, that we're most like him because he is love. And that's our goal as Christians to be Christ-like. Love is the foundation of every command that he has given us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in Genesis chapter 1, man was created in God's image and likeness, right? We know that we were created in God's image and likeness. And I lost my place. So if, if um, whatever is, is in his nature and is important to him, it's naturally going to be in us and important to us because we were created like him. God wants us to be in regular and close fellowship with other believers so that we can develop this skill of loving, so that we can be more like him. But the only way we can develop it is by being in relationship and being around each other. Love cannot be learned in isolation. We can't learn it by ourselves. If we're just hanging out alone all the time, we're not really learning how to love anybody. Love isn't just one of the important parts of our life. I mean, it's the most important part of our life. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, let love be your highest goal. He's telling us clearly, love is the highest goal. That's it. You know, I know we have a lot of ambitions in our life. We want to do a lot of things. But the number one thing that should be important to us is learning how to love. And the only way we do that is by being around people. You know, it's, it's not uh, just one of the things on our list to do is to be around people and to learn how to love them. No, it's, it's got to take some priority because it's our highest goal. That's what God said. Make this your highest goal. Relationships have to take priority above everything else, which is really hard for us in the society that we live in in this day and age, where everything's going 100 miles an hour. How many times, husbands and wives, have you said, oh, I need to carve out some time in my schedule to have a date night with my husband or to have a date night with my wife? We're trying to squeeze it in somewhere. Like, like it's just one of the things to do on our to-do list. Oh, I need to spend some time with my kids you know, or even some one-on-one -on -one time with some of my kids. You know, I just got to figure out, let me, let me see where I can squeeze it in on the schedule. Like relationships are just another thing to do on our to-do list when really relationships should be the number one priority of our lives. And it's not easy. I, I'm not up here acting like I've got it all together. I can't tell you how many times I've gone around with different families in the church, right, and we say this, let's get together sometime. And July is going to hit, and we're going to be like, you know what? We never got together. We should get together sometime. 
And then September hits, and it's like, oh, and before we know it, it's been a year, and we haven't gotten together, but every three months, we hit, we hit each other up and talk about it. Like, oh, let's get together. We got to do, we got to make what is the priority, the priority in our lives, you know, other than, than, besides giving the impression that relationships are just one more thing to do on our to-do list. God says that relationships are what life is all about. It's what life is all about. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. We all know this. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I like how it says a second is equally important. Equally. Does anybody know what equally means? My brother is the math teacher, but I'm pretty sure I understand what the word equally means. The same, right? Just as important as our relationship with God is to love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm supposed to love God, and it's just as important for me to love my neighbor. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So after we learn how to love God, our first priority is to learn how to love others. That's our purpose. That's our passion. If you can't identify you know, something specific that you're passionate about, be passionate about loving God and loving people. If someone asks you what your, your Christianity is all about, it's all about loving God and loving people. It's the, the whole aim of my life. I want us to go back to the beginning when God created Adam. Even in a perfect, sinless environment, could you imagine living in a perfect and sinless environment where everything literally is perfect, you guys. I mean, you walk outside in the temp. Well, I guess there's no was no inside at that temp. Everything is perfect. The temperature is perfect. Could you imagine that? Okay, I have a sensitivity to temperature a lot. So, like, when it's hot even a little bit, I'm extremely uncomfortable. And when it's even a little bit cold, I'm extremely uncomfortable. But it was always perfect. So there... I'm one of those people that when I get hot and no amens from the back, when it gets hot, I get a little agitated, just a little bit. You know, when I'm hot, I get a little irritable, but I'd never have to get irritable about being hot because it was always the perfect temperature. You know, it's everything out, everything about the garden was perfect and there was no sin. But even in the midst of perfection, God said in Genesis chapter 2, 18, says, then the Lord God said, it's not good. For the man to be alone, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Even when it was perfect, God said, it's not good that he's by himself. We need to do something about that. Let's create a helper. We were created to be a part of a family, to be a part of a community. None of us can fulfill God's purpose for our lives alone. We need each other. And this really became real to me a few years ago when Lynelle and I, we've been married five and a half years, yeah, five and a half years, and we made the decision before we got married, we had to decide on what church we were going to be planted in because he was from another city involved in another church, and I was involved in another church, or I was attending another church, and um, we wanted to come together and decide as a family where we were going to plant our roots, you know. We ultimately decided upon the building. We thought that that was what God had told us to do, 
and I was down for it as long as all it meant was coming to church every Sunday but not having to get involved with anybody's lives. As long as it meant that I could just be the person that walked around the room, smiled and hugged people, didn't really have to get to know people's names, didn't have to get to know about their lives. Um, I've been there and I've done that in my life. I've been a part of churches all my life since I was 14 years old. And after being going through some disappointments and heartache concerning a ministry, I was like, I know I need to be in church, God, because I need to learn more about you and, you know, I need to worship and, and all of that. But I don't really need to be involved with the people. I, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know if people are laughing because they can relate or if this sounds crazy to some people. You know, we're all a different, we've all had different experiences. But one day after we'd been coming to the church, I don't know how long, maybe, maybe a year or a little bit less, um, I remember I was, for, I was sitting out on my back patio and just thinking, you know, and I remember feeling dissatisfied at the time. Like, God, guys, I'd always, like I said, from the time I was 14 years old, church was like the most important part of my life. Everything I did, all my extra, extracurricular activities were in the church. Um, I didn't know what it was like to have any kind of life outside of the church. Everything was church. And um, I loved God. God knew that I loved him. And I knew that I had a call of God on my life. And so I felt like if I'm involved in the church, I'm doing what God has called me to do. But then after being disappointed and hurt by some things and by some people, it made me very hesitant to ever be involved in organized church again. And so the problem is, is that after coming to church and just coming to church, I found myself dissatisfied. I knew that I needed to be involved. I knew it because I knew better. But I was using excuses to not be involved with people's lives, you know, to not find out about anybody's story and not share my story with anybody else. And as I was sitting out there, God brought this scripture to mind about it's not good for man to be alone. And every time I've heard that scripture used, it's always in reference to marriage, right? God created Eve to be Adam's wife. So naturally, we talk about that scripture like it's a, a marriage scripture. But the reality is, is that, like I said a minute ago, God told, you know, after he created Eve, he told them to go and multiply. Go forth and multiply. Make lots of babies and have your babies make babies and have their babies make babies so that you could have a community around you. He wasn't just thinking about what Eve was going to be to Adam. He was thinking about what their children were going to be to Adam and what their children's children were going to be to one another and to Adam. It, it, it wasn't just about the husband and wife relationship, but all the other relationships that were going to come out of that. And so I realized in that moment that it wasn't good for me to be alone. Yeah, I was married now to a great man of God, but you know what? We need more than a spouse in our lives. Women, we need more than a husband. Husbands, we need more than a wife. We need all the relationships. You know, it's important. There's a reason why God gave us parents. We have parents so that they can teach us and train us and love us unconditionally. You know, I don't know about you, but I have a mom who I know loves me no matter what. I mean, my husband loves me a lot, 
okay? I know that he loves me a lot. But there is no love like a mama's love. I mean, I feel like I could do anything and this woman would still love me and believe in me and cheer me on. I never once have ever doubted um, that someone loved me because I knew my mama loved me, always. You know, there's something about a mother's love. And so we need that relationship in our life. There's something, you know, that fathers teach us and there's something that siblings teach us. We learn how to share because of siblings or cousins or friends or other kids that were around. You know, we need that relationship because of the things that it teaches us. We need the relationship with teachers and coaches because of the things that they teach us and coach us about, you know. It's, it's, we need bosses and managers and supervisors to teach us things to keep us humble things that we need to learn to develop within our character that we can't learn outside of having these relationships, these important relationships in our life. Just like, because one day we're going to be bosses and managers, and we're going to need to know how to manage and supervise people in a loving way and still in a humble way. But I can do that now because I learned humility by serving someone else, by working for someone else. That's why it's so important that we have all these different relationships in our lives. It's not just about the husband and wife. That scripture, God was saying, he saw far beyond just that one relationship to all the other relationships that we were going to need. Because God knows the exact relationships we're going to need to have in our life and people that we're going to need to encounter in our life to develop with uh, within us the character that we're going to need to withstand the destiny that he's placed on our lives. You know, God, I believe that many of you have a dream from God of something great to do, young and old in this room this morning. But if we don't have the character to withstand that purpose that he's placed in us, God can't release us into our purpose and into our destiny. And so what does he do? He sets up relationships in our lives to teach us things. All the good ones teach us stuff. The bad ones teach us stuff. And the ugly ones, for sure, teach us stuff that we wouldn't have otherwise learned if we hadn't been in these relationships. He knows the exact set of relationships that we need. And sometimes when we're in the middle of this chaotic moment of relationship, we don't understand what's the purpose of this, God. Why did you give me this boss, you know, that's always on my case, that, that is mistreating me? And it's so later on, when you become a boss, you know how not to treat somebody. You know, there's reasons for every relationship that we have, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Bottom line this morning, guys, we can't become who we're supposed to become or do what we're supposed to do all by ourselves. We need each other. Following Christ means belonging, not just believing. Following Christ means belonging and not just believing. We were adopted into a family. That means you belong to that family. It's not just about believing that Jesus died and was ro rose again three days later. We're supposed to belong. We now belong to a family, and we now have a responsibility and an obligation to one another as being a part of a family. I think about, you know, Lionel and I, we're, wait, we're, we're soon going to be in child search um, in the adoption process. And, but 
you know, we've been around all our friends and their kids and all of that. And, and when you're kids in a family, you learn that you belong to this family, which means you have responsibilities, right? When it's dinner time, your responsibility might be to set the table. Or maybe your responsibility is to clear the table or to clear your own dishes and rinse them off. Or maybe your responsibility is tonight you do the dishes for the family because you're part of the family. You belong. When we belong to a family, we have um, responsibilities to one another. You know, the church services around here, they don't just happen. We all have to do something to make it happen. We have a responsibility. You know, we don't just throw the kids in the back room and let them just, you know, do the whole Lord of the Flies thing, you know, and just go crazy <laughs> back there. Like, we have teachers that are provided curriculum how to teach the kids. We don't just, you know, have a sound system. we got to have somebody that knows how to function and move the knobs when it needs to be moved and, and turn things up and turn things down. You know, things don't just happen around here, you know. We have to have ushers and greeters to get everybody organized and, and sitting together when we have a smaller crowd on Sunday mornings. We need each other. The, the church body is not a building. We hear that around here all the time. Why do we call it the building? Exactly. These, this is the building, the four walls, you know, the stage, whatever. But we're the church. The people are the church. You know, it's more than just words that we say. There's a reason why we remind ourselves every week. Why do we call it the building? That's all it is. That's right, because I'm the church. We're the church, not this building that we come to. The organs of our body, for the organs of our body to fulfill their purpose, they must be connected to the body. You know, your heart doesn't beat outside of your body. It has to be connected to the body. Your kidneys don't function outside of your body. They only function when they're connected to the rest of the body. And the same is true of us in Christ's body. We were created for a specific role, but you'll miss out on your purpose if you're not attached to the body. That's why the local church is so important. God designed this. If you don't like it, talk to him about it. He's the one that designed it this way for us to be a part of a body, to be a part of a church. He references it so many times in the New Testament about how we are the body. There's a reason why he used that analogy so that we could understand what that means. I can't function outside of the body. I got to be connected to it, right? If you cut your hand off before long, that hand is going to die. You, you can't even reconnect it. You know, we die when we're not a part, if we're not connected. That's why we have small groups. That's just another opportunity for us to be connected and to stop pretending to love one another and really love one another. We discover our role in life through our relationships with each other. Romans chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. I like the way the message reads. It says this, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. We get our meaning from the body as a whole. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. We find out what we're called to do by being connected 
to the body. That's why we want you to get involved in church. It's not just about what you can do for the church, but it's about what you can find out about yourself and discover about yourself by being a part of it. It's like bringing life to us. Like when we're functioning in the role that God created and designed for us to function in, we're never more alive than we are in that moment. And we want you to find that. Be connected to the church. And one of the ways we do that is through small groups. It's great that we come to church every Sunday and we enjoy the worship and we enjoy the word of God. But is it enough? to just come and learn more about Jesus. I mean, we've probably heard in our life as a Christian, you know, we come to church for God. It's not about the people. We come to church for God. Anybody ever been told that? I was told that many times. Usually you're being told that because you've got some kind of an offense or something happened with someone in the church, and now you're thinking about leaving the church, and someone tells you, but you're not coming. Are you coming to church for people? Are you coming to church for God? Well, really, I'm, I'm kind of coming to church for both. So here's the ultimate question this morning. Is it enough to just come to church and just get to know God and build a deep connection with God? Or do I have to really um, also connect with people? Do I need to do that? Is it really important? I have a question for the husbands. Can I have any husbands in the room this morning? Are you a husband? Raise your hand if you are a husband. Why are we like ashamed, like afraid to raise our hand? If you're a husband, proudly raise your hand this morning. All right, we got a few in the room. Even if you're not a husband this morning, you can answer this question, okay? Think about this. So your husband, somebody comes up to you and they're like, you know what, I really like you. Let's be friends. I know that's not exactly how it usually happens, but we're just bear with me here. You know, they're like, hey, I really like you. Let's be friends. I think you're a great guy. I think you're funny. I think you're witty. I think you're a smart guy. I think we would make good friends, okay? But one thing, your wife, <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with her. <laughs> I don't like her. You know, the truth is, your wife she can be a little bit hypocritical at times. Your wife, she's disappointed me a time or two. And so I want to have a relationship with you, but we can't do anything with your wife that involves your wife. Do you know we're called the bride of Christ? The church is the bride of Christ. Like we're his wife. And yet, there's people coming into the church and like, Jesus, I love you so much. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to get to know you more and more. But I don't want to have anything to do with your bride. Are you going to be okay with that? Would you be okay with that, husbands, if someone was talking about your wife? Because, see, the, your bride, Jesus, she's a little hypocritical sometimes. Your bride, she's disappointed me a time or two. You know, we don't always agree, your bride and I, so I, I'll just have a relationship with you, but I don't want to have anything to do with her. Yeah. But yet, that's what we do sometimes. I lost my place again. <laughs> oh, here, this is good. Many people use the church, but they don't love it. 
And look, this is not condemnation for anyone this morning because I believe that there are people with good intentions that thought, you know, church is just about God. That's why I come. It's just about him because we've been taught that over the years and told that, you know, I come to church for God. It's not about the people. But the reality is, like I said earlier, we're supposed to, we, we belong. We're not just supposed to believe in Jesus. We belong to his family now. Look, when you married Pastor John, Kaya, he had two sons already. And you had to take them in like they're, when you married him, you married them. They were your family. When you marry into a family where there's already kids there, that's your family. When we, when we came to know Jesus and we said, I'm going to marry you, Jesus, we also came into his family. And, and we're all a part of that family now. And the only way we learn how to love is to be around people. Wonderful, amazing, imperfect, irritating, frustrating people. And we're going to get to know just how irritating each other are when we go to small groups. No, I'm saying we're going to get to know how wonderful each other are. You know, sometimes we are guilty without even knowing it or realizing it at the time that we've made assumptions about people just by the way they look or interact. And then we get to really know them and realize, ooh, I made a big mistake. They're, they're not like that at all. Here I was thinking that. But we got to give people the opportunity. We got, we got to give it a chance to get to really know people and remove the assumptions that we make about each other. We're a part of a family. And it's really important to us because it's important to God. Small groups on a couch in somebody's living room is where real connections are made. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.